is the Under Centre Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Under Centre Podcast. Tonight we are talking about all the action from week six slate of NFL games. And I am joined this evening by Dara. Dara, you're very welcome onto the show. Thank you. Thank you. And Rian, of course, you're also very welcome onto the show. Yeah, thank you very much. Delighted to have a new therapist for our therapy sessions. <laughs> yes, there's a lot to talk about, a lot of wildness going on. It's very hard to predict as I am being painfully shown week in, week out to any of our listeners who also follow our prediction matchup across the Undercenter podcast team here. I'm significantly in a hole. And the problem is when you get in a hole predicting American football games, it's very hard to get back out. There's only a few of them every week. Al just goes now. He's just riding out the rest of the season he's going favorites all the way he knows that we can't catch him the amount of upsets that are happening no one could possibly predict and catch him time yeah. how are you guys managing to stay at least a little bit closer than i am dara you're kind of hot on his heels as much as anyone else i'm trying i'm trying um i also must say though fiona i have to say it's very uh, convenient that you show up to a review show the week after a commander's win a game yes well we don't win many, and so that's probably <laughs> one explanation why I've been a bit rarer than in previous weeks on the shows. <laughs> and There's I no think, other reason. <laughs> exactly. I think that's a pretty good segue. There's a full slate of games. Well, actually, there isn't a full slate of games. We did have some bye weeks this week, but uh, we do have a lot of games to talk about. We might as well start at the first game of the weekend, last week's Thursday night football match between the Washington Commanders and the Chicago Bears. It was an extraordinary dull game of football with not a lot of action. Uh, And two maybe notable storylines coming out of this game. The first one, Dara, I'll start with you, is the commander's side of things. Obviously, a friend of the show, Ron Rivera, spoke candidly to reporters the week prior about how he felt other teams were advancing in the NFC East, and he suggested that it was to do with the quarterback. Uh, That was then picked up and run with as he does not like Carson Wentz and wishes that he didn't have to use Carson Wentz on the show, which I think was maybe a little bit of a misinterpretation. I think he was suggesting that's why they're advancing more than that's why we aren't advancing. Uh, But yeah, he, he didn't have a particularly good game. Is it fair? He's obviously on our hot seat. Did this win do anything at all to cool his bum for you a little bit? Yeah. Um, like you were mentioning, we, uh, Reen and, and, and Jake and myself mentioned it on the show last week about the, the comments on Carson Wentz and being sort of taken out of context a little bit. It wasn't a, a dig at Carson Wentz. It was because the other QBs in that league have had a couple of years to get used to their new offenses. And, you know, I, it's with the commanders it's been it's been tough this year with a variety of reasons obviously going all the way back to you know training camp and kind of before training camp with those ill-advised comments by defensive coordinator jack del rio and things have just kind of snowballed since then and you know the del rio's defense has not been performing too well either um and the offense has sort of struggled to to get going now as well now with I see like a, a kind of a similarity in the, the fact that 
Brian Robinson comes back from his unfortunate uh, injury in the offseason. He's now, the rookie running back is now RB1. And you've seen that the offense now is a little more cohesive. And I think he's doing what um, the head coach wants to do a lot more. And uh, we've seen that they should have beaten the Tennessee Titans last week. Um, if it was, and then this past Thursday, of course, albeit like you mentioned, wasn't the greatest game in the world, but they still did beat the Chicago Bears. Um, and I think now with uh, it seems insignificant having a, a such a, a running back being like the focal point of the offense and being the guy that can turn things around. But these past two weeks, it seems to have been. Yeah, I think as well it, it stems from. Being able to ease Carson Wentz in, I think Carson Wentz has a bit of a gung-ho attitude that is maybe one advantage to him over Heineke and the other quarterbacks that commanders have used in the last couple of seasons. But you also don't want to shake his confidence, right, by asking him to go out and maybe almost a touch of the Russell Wilson, ask him to cook when there's there's not enough ingredients, right? He, he hasn't got his feet underneath him. And I think maybe that's explaining some of the offensively slow starts and that kind of really struggle to impose themselves onto the game early. But I think as a Commanders fan, I'm taking more of a positive approach still. I do like how the games have gone. These were games in the past where we were not close. We were still losing and we were not close. At least we've been within touching distance. You would, of course, like to start finishing those drives. When you have the ball in the last two minutes in the opposition's half into the into the red zone, that's really where, as an NFL franchise, you have to you have to get more wins than losses from those scenarios. That's the the perfect scenario. You're on the front foot. You've got the the ball in your court, so to speak, the ball in your quarterback's hand. He's got to go out and win. And I think Wentz can win more than he has so far. But I think it's going to take time. There's a lot of stuff that's a little out of whack, also on the defensive side. I think maybe one day we'll we'll have a chat about that. But for me, that's a little bit more disappointing. But We've got a lot of games to go through. And before we move on, Reen, you mentioned to us in the chat and obviously put it up on Twitter as well that you, this was maybe the first time you had had an extensive look at Justin Fields. And he's been widely panned across a lot of different media outlets. Uh, and even some Bears fans are now starting to question because now he's the full time starter. There's not so much controversy or. Uh, yeah, controversy against him. He's not. He's no longer the underdog. Now he's the main man and he has to perform better. You said you don't feel some of that's warranted. He's he's played a lot better given the surrounding cast again. And that, I think, comes up a lot in the NFL. But the surrounding cast is maybe not as strong as it needs to be over there in Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, if, if people didn't see the post, I basically said that the supporting cast around Justin Fields is not good enough uh, to make a good assessment. His stats at the moment are dog rough. They're very, very bad. One of the worst in the NFL. But if you look at his overall play week to week, you see he can still make those elite throws off difficult throwing platforms. And he is deadly with his legs. Given the right talent and particularly the O-line, I reckon he was under pressure on maybe 90% of the snaps he took against the uh, commanders on Thursday. If you give him the right O-line and the right receivers, he's going to be a dangerous weapon in the league. Um, whether he's going to get that now before he gets uh, kind of replaced there in Chicago and kind of goes on that downward slope, who knows? But um, yeah, look, he's. I, I feel like if you give him the right weapons, he's absolutely going to be a, a uh, standout quarterback in this league. Hmm. Moving on, uh, the first games of the Sunday slate of games saw the San Francisco 49ers 
take on the Atlanta Falcons. And it was an Atlanta Falcons convincing victory against the 49ers. Dara, two quarterbacks. Marcus Mariota is on his uh, resurgence, obviously. Got a rough run of it. Has been a backup in a couple of different spots now the last couple of seasons. Finally getting the starting role. Played really well. And I think maybe I want to get your opinion, but... For me, I think it shows the one chink, or maybe not the one chink this season, but one chink in Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers' armor is, yes, they are a very good football team when they're offensively very efficient. And two turnovers, it's going to be very hard to overcome for any offense. And it seems especially one driven by Jimmy Garoppolo, who is kind of that manager style of quarterback as opposed to an explosive play kind of guy. Yeah, Um it was a tough game for the 49ers last week. They, you know, they're missing a lot of players. And this is something I go back to when we gave our predictions, Super Bowl predictions. And they said that the 49ers can make the Super Bowl as long as they stay relatively injury free. And unfortunately, that's not the case again this year for them. They've lost Trey Lance. They've lost Trent uh, Williams. They've lost Mike McGlinchey. Jo- and Nick Bosa was out of this game. Eric Armstead was out of this game. Um Emmanuel Mosley was out like they've just had so many injuries and eventually like um that's going to affect your team and it's going to affect your ability to win games and that's what happened um we mentioned that Jimmy Garoppolo staying was a stroke of luck for the 49ers because of Trey Lance's injury um they have no they're the game, they tried their best to get back in because they were 14-0 down at one point, got it back to 14-0, and then those two touchdowns, they just couldn't get it back afterwards. They couldn't get what they wanted to get going on offense. Um, yeah, it's 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 tough for the 49ers with these injuries and looking at sort of their schedule for the next few weeks too, I think it's only going to get tougher for them. Um, and I think that they, I'm not going to say they're going to put themselves out of playoff contention, but with, you know, their next five games being against the Chiefs, the Rams, the Chargers, the Cardinals, and the Saints, you know, with the injuries, it's going to be tough to see like if they can win even two of those games. Rin, do you take anything away from the Atlanta Falcons on this win? How much credit do you give them? They did it without Cordero Parson. Uh, Kyle Pitts managed to get his first touchdown on American soil. Uh, and Drake London, their rookie wide receiver, he had 40 yards for them on three catches. Not outstanding stats, but still a 14-point win at the end of the day. Well, yeah, exactly. And um, I think the key to this victory for the Falcons was their their rushing attack, which is something to be said, particularly considering, uh, as you said, Cordero Patterson was out of this game. The 49ers are meant to be a team that you can't run the ball against. And yet the 49ers had three players with over 50 yards rushing in that game, including... Marcus Mariota. Uh, so obviously getting Mariota involved in the running game was one of the keys that I pointed out before the game. They managed to do that. Um, another key that I pointed out was uh, get Kyle Pitts involved in the game. They didn't so much do that. He only had three receptions for 19 yards, but they did go to him in the end zone and they ended up getting him that touchdown. So very impressive victory for a, uh, a Falcons team that I did not expect to have uh, three wins on the season, let alone three wins at this stage. Well, the next game up we have to talk about is another, in my opinion, pretty impressive win, and that's the Patriots win, 38-15 to over the Browns. The second nice win for the Patriots on the bounce, Rain. They did it with Bailey Zappi in their quarterback. I 
309 yards and two touchdowns. Were you impressed by this uh, this rookie showing? Is is he going to be a name now we need to keep an eye on again for a Bill Belichick dynasty for the next 20 years like you found Tom Brady? I mean, it's, it's possible, but it's not likely. So I do like the way Bailey Zappi moves the football. He did another very good job in this game. But the problem is that Browns defense just did not show up. A lot of the yards that he got were on wide open throws to receivers and tight ends on just ridiculous broken coverages uh, by the Browns defense. Uh, but, you know, Bailey Zappi has to throw to these open receivers. We've seen uh, a possible future Hall of Famer in Russell Wilson miss wide open targets uh, in his last couple of games. So Bailey Zappi is getting the job done. Uh, I think Bill Belichick will be delighted to have that backup but he's not going to replace Mac Jones, not anytime soon. Yeah, Dara, Jacoby Brissett started off for the Browns looking pretty good. It didn't look like they were going to miss a beat, but they've kind of stumbled now the last few weeks, had a rough go of it. They stand now at two and four. Something that stood out to me from the game, Nick Chubb, 12 carries for only 56 yards. He's been dominant in years past. This is not a legendary Patriots defense. It's fine, but by no means exceptional. Is that disappointing for the Browns? Are they on a backwards slide that's going to be very hard to come back from now? Or do you think they have enough talent on that roster to start clawing games back? Oh, they should have enough talent on that roster for sure. Um, I think just one point to make on the Patriots defense, I don't think it's kind of getting the respect it deserves. Um, I think in just fantasy-wise, the Patriots defense is top five in the league at the moment. Um they do get a lot of takeaways, and the one thing they had to do, and, and Fionn, you mentioned it, was stop the run of Nick Chubb, and they did, and he did a great job in doing that. Um, Jacoby Brissett should... I don't know what people expected exactly from Jacoby Brissett. He had a good start in the first few weeks, but this is the Jacoby Brissett that I think we expected to, we should have expected to see. You know, there's a reason why he's not a starter in the league. There's a reason why... He's only starting because of obviously the suspension to their starting quarterback. Um, but I, the defense for the for the Browns, I would really worry for, and they have not been able to stop anything so far this year. Um, I think they they give up. Uh, they are one of the worst ranked defenses in the league. Nothing from week to week shows me that they are able to stop anything. And you know, looking at you know, a different team in terms of the Seahawks getting the shootouts every week because of their defense being so bad. The Browns don't have that ability to get into shootouts at the moment. And, you know, the defense is really stopping them from progressing at all. And it won't matter in week 12 when their quarterback comes back. If the defense can get things right, they're not going to be going anywhere near the playoffs. Mm. Ryan, worth bearing in mind before we move on, uh, obviously with the starting quarterback hasn't had a lot of games in the last season and a half, do you think he needs to hit the ground running, uh, Deshaun Watson, or is there going to be, is this almost now at this point at two and four, is this almost like a spoiled season for the Browns and the last end end kind of quarter of the season is just going to be about getting Watson back on his feet, back into football shape, back to sharpness for next season's run? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. This is game over for the Browns at the moment, sitting at two and four. Um, they're not going to get a whole lot better before Deshaun Watson comes back. And then Deshaun Watson is going to have a whole lot of rust to kick off 
in that time. So at least it kind of gives the organization a little bit of a, an excuse for maybe not winning the games when he comes back. You know, uh, he just needs to get himself ready for next season. Uh, they can go into the draft, put some nice um, some nice weapons around him, and then go, yeah, next season is our season. It protects everybody in that organization. Um, and I think that's the way they'll probably spin it to the media. Well, certainly the Browns fans won't be feeling too good, but one fan base, I think, or one one state that's feeling pretty good about their football at the moment is New York. The next team we have up on our slate is the New York Jets against the Green Bay Packers, and they came out with a 27-10 win, the second loss on the bounce for the now 3-3 three and three Green Bay Packers, having lost in London. Uh this is a bit worrying for Aaron Rodgers, guys. I don't know who wants to talk about it first, but our, I mean, every year Green Bay seems to be in trouble and never seems to have weapons around Aaron Rodgers. And every year they make a run towards the end when they have to. It, luck surely runs out at some point. Is this the season we see them struggle for an entire 18-game slate? I think that's dependent on the health of Aaron Rodgers. And I think his thumb played a big part in this game. Uh, he went 26 for 41 in that game uh, for 246 yards. Now, that's not like Aaron Rodgers at all. Usually he's touching kind of the 70% mark on his on his uh, passes. Um, but we saw him all through the game kind of holding that finger, shaking it out, not feel, not looking comfortable at all. And it really makes you question how much trust they have in Jordan Love if uh, Aaron Rodgers does have to take some time out because he looked clearly in distress and they wouldn't put him in. Now, I reckon if he gets back to full health and maybe if they can add one more receiver before the trade deadline is over, a kind of a deep threat, I thought Robbie Anderson was going to go there, but he, he made the uh, switch to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I think they'll probably be in good shape to make the playoffs. Now, do they think they're going to be a Super Bowl team like I had predicted before the start of the season? No, the, the defense just hasn't lived up to expectation. But I still reckon they're going to be in contention for a, uh, a playoff spot by the end of the year. Dara, is special teams going to play a role in that? We've seen them being quite poor on special teams the last couple of seasons. And now, again, this, uh, this last Sunday, we saw special teams, a punt block return for a touchdown. Personally, as a Commanders fan, I know when special teams is off, it can have a significant impact on the game when it gets overlooked, when it looks fine 90% of the time. Yeah, Cam, I don't know what it is with the Packers and special teams. You saw it, that's what cost them last season in the in the playoffs against the 49ers. It was special teams that lost them that game. This, this week's special teams is another big struggle for them again. They hired um, Rich Bisaccia in the offseason, who was the Raiders' A special teams coordinator and then for a brief period after John Gruden was dismissed he was the temporary head coach and he was meant to be this special teams guru who changed everything around for the Raiders but he hasn't been able to do it with the Packers so far this year Um, I did find it interesting and it's uh, not talked enough about but um, it was the uh, it was the LaFleur Bowl at the weekend um, between Mike LaFleur and Matt LaFleur, and of course the younger brother Mike comes through, um, who is of course the offensive coordinator of the Jets, so he wins the first battle between the LaFleur brothers, um, but 
Yeah, this Jets team, though, is interesting. Um, their defense is mean, like very mean and stacked. Um, and I would have thought that because obviously being an NFC West fan, I know the type of defense Robert Sala had in San Francisco. It was the exact same defense as he had in as he has at the moment in Jets. They're mean up front. They'll take the ball away from you in the backfield as well. And that's what he's getting from the guys there too now. And um, Sauce Gardner has uh, installed himself into the league seamlessly, and he's been absolutely fantastic um, in the race, of course, for defensive player of the year, a rookie defensive player of the year with another player who we'll get on to later on. Um, but, uh, yeah, this this Jets team, like, they've been really, really good this week and or this, this year. And interestingly enough, they play the Broncos next week in Denver and if they can win that game and send Denver into a meltdown uh, full on any more of a meltdown than they're already in and then the Jets uh, the Jets will be serious playoff contenders um, and look fair play to them it's great to see New Jersey back on the map yeah there's plenty of uh, Cinderella story going on in New York Rain, Zach Wilson managed to win this game with only 110 passing yards on 10 of 18 one of a couple of similar uh, showings from quarterbacks to get W's this weekend. Uh, that's pretty impressive. I suppose it always helps when Brees Hall goes for 116 yards and a touchdown all on his own. Well, exactly. And this is it. I think uh, I mentioned this in the podcast last week, and I think this uh, kind of game typified that again. Uh, Zach Wilson is the spark. They didn't look very good with Joe Flacco under center, but they do look good now with Zach Wilson. And that's because of the threat that he brings. He is quite a good passer of the football, but they're still keeping the football out of his hands as much as possible insofar as he won't make mistakes. And we saw that at the end of last season, he had uh, problems with interceptions um, that really plagued the, the Jets offense. Uh, so they're taking a lot of the responsibility away from Zach Wilson, putting on the back of those young running backs and uh, yeah, just making sure that when he's called upon, Zach Wilson can do his job. And I think he's doing it very well. Mm -hmm. I think highlighting there the, the importance of coaching. You got the tools that you have and you need to optimize your performance for the guys that you have. There's no use trying to implement the game plan that your your talent on your roster can't fit. We'll move on now to... Sorry, Fionn, just a quick yes, question, yes. actually, I wanted to ask. I want to ask you, and i open up to, to Reen as well, because he's sort of a little connected to this too. Um, there is rumours about DJ Moore uh, wanting to be traded out of Carolina. If you're the Packers, do you try and get DJ Moore to get some wide receiver help in there, especially now that um, Randall Cobb looked like he's going to miss some time? Yes, personally, I think you do, especially if you get him on kind of a Roby Anderson, like seventh rounder, maybe sixth rounder will be overpaying. But but it, I think if you can do that, not give up too many, too many dimes. I don't think it's worth going, breaking the bank for. Reen's making faces. Reen, do you think the sixth rounder is a high price to pay for? Sixth rounder is ridiculously low for DJ Moore. He's had a thousand yards every season for the past four seasons with terrible quarterbacks. How, how can you say that he's not worth a sixth rounder? I guess because he's just not a big market player, you know what I mean? Playing in tiny little Carolina that barely anyone cares about. So that's that's the reason I've probably seen him about twice in the games when when Washington played them. But yeah, but so you what would you get give like up two, then? 
Oh, sorry. Didn't they get two draft picks for Robbie Anderson? Yeah, they got a sixth yeah, and a seventh. Sixth and a seventh. How would you get that for Robbie Anderson? That's it. Especially for, for a guy, guy who's who... just a problem. He's a problem. Yeah. Like... Yeah. And we saw it. Like he got kicked out of the last game that he played for him, which is uh, never a good sign. And then he came out in the media being like, oh, I don't I don't understand what I was doing. They just kicked me off the team, even though he was having a blazing rail with anyone who would stand within two feet of him. But anyway, we do have a lot of games to get through. Dar, we can we can pick that up again. It's a good good question. I think something to keep an eye on because we might see some trades now this season. Just based on the kind of the craziness of the league, it wouldn't surprise me if a couple of very interesting kind of trade deadline trades get done this season. But we'll move on to the next game. Uh, I think personally, there's a lot of luck involved with both of these team two teams, both good and bad. Jaguars in a close game, last second loss to the Colts. Uh, they did have a kind of a, um, what's it called? A snakes and ladder, hooks and ladder type of play. Uh, annexation of Puerto Rico uh, to try and get the touchdown right at the end. That didn't work out. Uh, I hope I'm remembering that right, but that, that seems to be what I remember from the game anyway. But, Dara, what do you think? Jacksonville Jaguars stand on a 2-4. and four. I think, personally, quite unlucky to be at that mark. They were in a couple of games that maybe could have gone easily their way. And on the flip side, the absolutely atrocious Indianapolis Colts now sitting at 3-2-1. and one. Seems like a remarkably good haul for the amount of poor football they've played over the last six games. Yeah, it's, I feel it's this game that the Jaguars sort of were unlucky. They they were in the game all the way to the Colts, and you know they they had beaten the Colts already this year. Um, so and they were the Colts were missing Jonathan Taylor, and they have this now O line, which I think is ranked worst in the NFL at the moment in terms of blocking. Um, Matt Ryan has. He's put up some impressive numbers, not just this week, but overall in the season. And the pro, the, the thing, and I say it every week with Matt Ryan, is he's no problem getting you up and down the field. It's the red zone that he's struggling in. This week it worked in the red zone, obviously um, trying for three touchdowns. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of like a, at the moment, it's an AFC lease sort of division. Um, it, the, the South because neither uh, none of those four teams are, are great um, even even the Titans are having their issues this year and they're already struggling now with injuries too and you know I don't know it's kind of like this thing where I think any team is going to beat each other whenever they face the Jaguars lose this week you know they come up they lost last week to the Texans so the division games aren't really working for them they don't have a division game now for a good couple of weeks until they go to Tennessee and face the Titans which they could easily win because I think this is what we're going to see in this division for the rest of the season is teams are just going to beat each other out of nowhere and what we think is going to happen is just going to be totally off the mark um one one side note that I, I we'd have to have a look at is number one of overall pick Trayvon Walker has had a difficult start in term to the season. I think it's um the second week in a row now at a key point in the game, he's been flagged for roughing the passer penalties. Um and these aren't debatable ones. These are roughing the passer penalties that have caused the uh the to stop the Jaguars defense, I should say, from coming off the field. They're on third down. They would have come off the field if he can just sort of I'm gonna say hold his excitement um from uh you know getting the better of him. Um, so I think that's something he's going to have to sort of adjust to in the NFL quite quickly. Mm. 
Rian, we spoke there about uh, this year's first round draft pick. Last year's first round draft pick, Trevor Lawrence. What have you made of him now that he's got a kind of a much more stable coaching staff around him? I think it's kind of, for me, a little bit up and down. He's 15th in the league in yards uh, and 13th in QBR. So kind of right around mid-table. It's not the most fantastic squad he has around him, but he has some guys around him. He's got, he is tied eighth for uh, nine touchdowns to four interceptions. What have you made of maybe him and the Jaguars in general? Do you agree that maybe they're a little bit unlucky to be standing at two and four? Well, yeah, I, I, I 100% agree that they are unlucky to be standing at two and four. Um, I think that Trevor Lawrence has made one of the biggest steps we've seen from year one to year two of any of the rookies in the league, uh, particularly at the quarterback position. Uh this week he balled out. He had two touchdowns on the ground. Uh, he looked very competent passing the football, connected with Christian Kirk a couple of times. Um, yeah, I, I really like how Trevor Lawrence is playing the ball or playing the game. Now, going back to what you said about them being unlucky, I really feel like they should have won this game. Um, I don't know if you guys caught it, but the, the Woods touchdown for the Colts, the second last one uh, that tied the game up, that was a clear offensive pass interference in the end zone. Um, obviously, all scoring plays are reviewable, and um, they just did nothing about it. Like It was the most blatant push-off on quite a hefty linebacker that I've ever seen. And re- realistically, the Colts would not have won that game if they had not got that touchdown. Hmm. Hmm. Something to think about, and certainly two maybe maybe streaky is unkind but two teams that are relying a lot on faith this season and we'll see what way that breaks out in the next couple of weekends uh the next game up on our slate is the vikings against the dolphins the vikings came out victorious here 24 16 i am of course famously not a kirk cousins fan i saw only brief highlights of this game i'm still not a kirk cousins fan but the Vikings are sitting at 5-1, and one, surprisingly. So let's see if we can put a bit of composure together, win a couple of games that he needs to win, and get it, make it kind of a playoff run this season. What do you guys think of the of the Vikings season so far? Ryan, maybe start with you. Obviously, uh, Justin Jefferson playing out of his skin again for another week. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the main key to the Vikings' uh kind of performances this season it's not been Kirk Cousins it's been the weapons he has around them we've seen good play from Cook we've seen good play from Madison when he's had to fill in Uh, Justin Jefferson has obviously been a machine and then on that defensive side of the ball they're really humming they're not conceding that many points as Darius Smith is playing lights out football so yeah like look just look at the stats from last week Uh, Kirk Cousins had 175 yards in that game that's not like elite QB level play, but you know what? He doesn't need it when the the other stars of this team are performing around him. And fair play to the head coach. He has them playing very complimentary football. Something to know, uh, Kirk Cousins had 175 passing yards. Justin Jefferson had 107 receiving yards. So that tells you where his favorite target is, if anything else does. But I think now there is a good time to bring up Justin Jefferson, fantastic wide receiver playing out of his skin. He played opposite Tyreek Hill on the Miami Dolphins. Which of those pair would you rather have on your franchise right now that you're starting tomorrow? That's a tough question. Because um, Tyreek went for 70 more yards um, with four more rece- 
we we actually double the receptions double that Justin the receptions, Jefferson exactly. Um, like Tyreek is that speed guy that's going to get you those yak yards, you know. Um, I don't know. I I myself, I think I would go with Justin Jefferson. I think his route running is so much uh, so much better at mm. the moment than Tyreek's. I'm not saying like Tyreek is a bad route runner. I'm not saying he's one dimensional or anything like that. But I think Justin Jefferson is just a nightmare for opposing cornerbacks at the moment. Um, and I think that if I was if I was in charge of a franchise and I had a pick of either of those wide receivers, I think I'd be going with Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Rian, before we move on really quickly, uh, Teddy Bridgewater was in the game for the Miami Dolphins majority of the time. 23 of 34, 329, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Are they going to be holding on for dear life until they can get Tua back in that starting line? I believe he is slated to start next weekend. Uh, but is is this a sign that maybe uh, Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a backup quarterback kind of for the rest of his career? Well, I mean, I think the fact that uh, Skylar Thompson got the starting reps uh, going into this game kind of suggests that he is done. He's passed it. Uh, I watched him a couple of years ago a lot when he was playing with Carolina. Uh, mm. he's 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 lost a step since then. You know, his his ball speed on release was never elite level, and it looks like he's lost a couple of miles per hour off that now again. Um, that being said, though, Teddy played like Teddy in that game. He uh, he had good yardage. Uh, he hit the open receivers, um, but it's it's his not inability, but maybe he, he just doesn't like throwing the deep ball. He likes hitting the open man and uh, building up those stats, um, which I'm not really a fan of, but I mean, that's that's what you get with Teddy Bridgewater. You know what you're getting. Yeah, I think um, I remember a little while back when we had Benjamin Albright on the show when Teddy was actually still with the Broncos. He summed uh, Teddy up brilliantly and he says, Teddy will get you this, will do the same thing for you all the time. If you need three yards to get a first down, he'll get you four. If you need 13 yards to get a first down, he'll get you four. You know, he doesn't he doesn't like the, the deep ball. He'll he'll throw he'll you know dump it off to whoever he can quickly and and let try and let them get the yards. But yeah, I think uh Fionn, you're spot on with, with the analysis there thinking that I I think it, it's gonna be a long time before we see Teddy Bridgewater as a starting quarterback in the NFL if ever again moving on quickly because we do still have a a lot of games to get through Uh, the Bengals against the Saints the Bengals came out importantly for their season 30 to 26 victory the high-flying New Orleans offense kind of stumbled a little bit Uh, still scored 26 points but maybe not as flashy and creative uh, a bit disappointed to give up a late lead Jamar Chase had a top-notch game seven receptions 132 yards and two touchdowns. Rain, is this, do you think, a good turning point for the Cincinnati Bengals to build off? Yeah, absolutely. They're starting to hum at the moment. They're looking like a, a good football team. And Joe Burrow had himself a day again. We talked about him being a good away or a, yeah, an away quarterback. He had 300 yards and three touchdowns in that game. So that that's nothing to be sniffed at there. Um, the only thing I would say is Joe Mixon is still not looking like the back that he showed he had. He showed he had potential last year, right? And uh, he said he left 500 yards out there on the on the field last season. But this season, he just has not got going. And I don't know if that's because um, 
defenses have figured him out or what what's happening there, but he just hasn't got going. If the Bengals could get going on the running game, uh, I think they'd be a very, very strong team going into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dara, quickly on the Saints. Uh, they've been really fun to watch the last few weeks. Obviously, like I said, not quite as interesting this weekend. Do you think they're going to be a better team with Jameis Winston back at quarterback? Or is it pretty much... Uh, uh, tit for tat in terms of Dalton and Winston in terms of how more dynamic this team can be at that quarterback position um yeah yes I would think they might be better with Jameis back I think he's gonna have to come back because I believe Andy Dalton injured himself in this game coming out of it so he's going to miss a bit of time but I think what we saw this weekend especially with um Andy Dalton is he got a taste of what it was like last year for James Winston because he had basically no receivers out there. Uh, Michael Thomas was out. Chris Olave was out. Jarvis Landry was out. So you're kind of back to the core that you had pretty much last year. Um, so much so that we saw, um, what, what was his name? Uh, Rashid Shahid was the, uh, was the one that got the, uh, the touchdown, um, on the jet sweep for the, for the rushing touchdown. Um, importantly though, for the saints, Alvin Kamara, despite the legal issues that he had last week, put in a very, very good game going for 99 rushing yards and um, not scoring a touchdown, but still getting much more involved in the game. He had another good game the previous week against the Seahawks. So he looks like he's getting into things and he's going to be important for them too, but getting the wide receiver core back fit is going to be so important for them. Getting Michael Thomas, he it looked like he was close to playing this game, so hopefully he'll be back. He might be back in time for the Thursday night game against the Cardinals. Hopefully with Jarvis Landry and Chris Olave as well. If you get those guys back, James Winston, if he is back fit and able to to play on Thursday too, I think we will see you know a much better New Orleans offense. Even though we are saying he still did score twenty six points at the weekend. Yeah, and I think on that as well, with just going back to the uh, James Winston coming back. I think when he was starting a quarterback, they didn't utilize Taysom Hill at all from the QB position. We were seeing just Jameis Winston under center all of the time. I think with the spark that we've seen out of that offense with Taysom Hill coming in uh, and relieving, um, what's his name, Andy Dalton uh, at times, I think that's something that they could really carry forward even going into the Jameis Winston era. I know that Jameis Winston has a better arm than Andy Dalton, uh, but Taysom Hill gives you that something extra, that little spark uh, that they could really utilize going forward. Hmm. Something definitely to keep an eye on the next couple of weeks. Next game we have on the schedule is the Ravens lost 20 to 24 to the New York Giants, high flying New York Giants. For years, they had to sit there uh, without a winning record. Now they've got a winning record of five and one, Dara. And somehow, they just find ways to win this game. Or is this the Ravens throwing this game away? They were, uh, I have the analytics here on ESPN. They were about 70% chance of winning with only about five minutes left in the final quarter. And somehow they managed to lose this game. Unfortunate, I believe, fumble right at the end for Lamar Jackson, who had a, Decent day, not great accuracy, but he still had 210 yards and a touchdown. He did throw also an interception, quite a costly one. Uh, so, yeah, which where does this blame fall for you? Is this just 
magic New York Giants season, or is this uh, the Ravens fumbling the bag a little bit? Still don't. It's, I don't get it with these Giants. Still, had uh, <laughs> they're five and one, and I just I don't know how they're five and one. And you know, you could like you could take the Ravens out and put the Green Bay Packers in from last week, and you'd be asking the very same questions. Like, did the Packers throw it away? Did the Giants win it? Who who uh, where the where is the blame getting um, portioned out to? Mm-hmm. Um, I think these Giants, their second half teams, like they've outscored all their opponents in the second half in every game this year. Um, and it was no different than this one. Um, they made Lamar Jackson's life a living hell in this game because uh, Wink Martindale, who was a, the former defensive coordinator in Baltimore last week, who was the current defensive coordinator in New York, you know, just blitzed the hell out of that Ravens offense. Um, and didn't give Lamar Jackson time at all, and which kind of forced the interception, which forced the 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 Kayvon Thibodeau was the one that forced the fumble at the end as well for them to get the game. Um, yeah, this this Giants team, it's just it's not huge on quality stars, maybe outside of Saquon um, and Thibodeau on the defense, and maybe Leonard Williams if you want to push it, make a push, but. They just there seems to be this togetherness. Brian Dayball has brought this team together and made them believe that they can win every game, and that's what they're doing. They're going out there believing they can win every game, and, and they are. <laughs> they are winning every game so, apart from obviously the one, and it's it's pretty impressive to see like such a and and obviously Jake, our, our co-host and Giants fan, saying himself that you know it's held together by duct tape and he's loving it and that's exactly it this team is held together by duct tape and somehow they're pulling out wins every week and rain it's not even like obviously there's a win in there against uh the panthers and a win in there against the bears two teams that have struggled a little bit but i mean we'll see how the how the uh records shake out at the end of the season but they're beating teams that are expected to be good teams year in year out of week one against the titans the Packers and now the Ravens back to back. These are some good wins that they're getting as well. It's it's not like they've just had a fluky first six games against against the other six poorest teams in the league. I think I have no problem holding my hand up saying I thought the Giants were going to be truly terrible this season. Uh, how have you seen this shake out? What what have you seen so far while you were watching them? Well, what I love about them, I say it every week. I love the grit, right? And here's a stat for you: they are the only team. This century, so since 2000, uh, to have back-to-back games when they were losing at the half by double digits where they came back and won it. Like, that is the definition of grit. And I love it. I mean, there's a lot of underrated talent on this team. O'Shane Zimenez, he's having himself a season uh, rushing the passer. He got himself another sack there during the week, I believe. Um, it's, It's just a strong team with a lot of belief. Uh, and I think they can do really good things in the league this year. Uh, I see them as a playoff team, uh, and I see that they could probably upset a team when they get to the playoffs. Uh, they're they're that sort of kind of tough underdog mentality. Uh, we're going to run the ball hard on you and just win games, and that's what they're doing so far. Yeah, and I'm just looking at the stats here. I'm trying to find uh, Daniel Jones' stats, but it seems like he hasn't really fumbled the ball at all this season, which is going to be a dramatic and very important statistic to keep an eye on for a New York Giants fan because 
those balls don't always get recovered either. So that can be very important on the turnover battle. The Ravens sitting at three and three. Uh, they're okay. They're going to have to do a bit of work to kind of get going. Lamar Jackson has looked pretty, pretty hot so far. Not his best game, like I said last weekend, but certainly that talent is there and they're liable to go off at any minute. So if they can tighten it up, maybe on defense, they'll be okay. They should be in contention for the playoffs. we move on to the Buccaneers against the Steelers. The Steelers with the fantastic combo of uh, Mitchell Trubisky and, oh, I've gone blank on the name. Who's the other quarterback? Kenny Pickett. The Pickett-Trubisky combo managed to pull out a win. Neither quarterback playing particularly fantastically well, although Mr. Tom Brady on the other side maybe not uh, the most enthusiastic about his performance either. He did have 243 yards, but several clips of him going absolutely crazy at his offensive line during the game. Uh, Rian, is this a blip for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Are they really struggling? Or uh, is this a turnaround point for the Steelers, maybe, who were 1-4 and four heading into this game? I reckon it's more a sign of the times for the Buccaneers, um, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. If you look through the history of the games that they've played this season, they have not put up points at all. And I think most of that is down to the fact that their O-line is in tatters. I understand why Brady is getting very, very annoyed. He's not got the time to release the ball. The only reason he's not the most sacked quarterback in the NFL at the moment is the fact that he has such a quick release on the football. But quick release means nothing if you can't throw the deep ball uh, on some plays. So, yeah, their, their offense has been pretty neutralized in this one. Now, fair play to the Steelers. They played with a lot of grit in this one. Uh, they did look much better than they have done in the past couple of weeks. Um, and I would be confident that they can grab a few more wins uh, once TJ Watt gets back on that field. Uh, but until that time, it's going to be a struggle for them on defense. Yeah, Dara, TJ Watt, so important on the defensive side of the ball. But both these, tubo, or both these teams struggle to run the ball. Uh, which for me is a little bit surprising. Leonard Fournette had 21 carries, only 63 yards. Najee Harris, 14 carries for 42 yards. Is that something both of these teams are going to need to implement, whether that's just poor offensive line play or maybe the run game as a whole? Does that need improving on both these football teams if they're going to need to turn this season and, and get hot a little bit further down the stretch? I think I put it down to both offensive lines um, not being the best. Um, the the Steelers got a lot of pressure this in this game against Tom Brady and and that rushing attack like like you mentioned without T J Watt, um, where in the previous games without them, they haven't been able to get much pressure at all and it hasn't been hasn't allowed the, the run game to progress uh, for either the Steelers or or the Buccaneers um you know someone like myself who was a Najee Harris drafter. Um, on their fancy team has been left disappointed each week with the numbers that he's putting up although he did score a touchdown in this game on Sunday um, receiving touchdown from Kenny Pickett um, yeah I th- on the Buccaneers side of things especially with how poor their offensive line is like you mentioned Rain as well that he, Tom Brady because of his quick releases meaning that he's not getting sacked as much but also on the other hand it's not giving him the time to find like these receivers you know he's not giving the time to find Godwin um, Evans uh, you know Russell Gage Cameron Brates you know he's not been able to get the time although Chris Godwin did have a good game in getting uh, 96 yards I believe it was against 
against the Steelers at the weekend. Um, Mike Evans only getting four receptions for 42 yards too. You know, so if your O-line can't give you that time to let your receivers run the route, get open and be found by the quarterback, you know, you're going to struggle and you're going to rely on that run game. And like that, he Leonard Fournette getting a, a bulk of the, the carries at 21 and only getting 63 yards or three yards of carry, you know, that's, that's just not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Something to ponder for both these franchises. Rain, brace yourself. The next game up on the slate is the Carolina Panthers against the Rams. The Rams kind of wobbled their way into this game. Uh, they've lost a couple on the bounce now. Probably a nice time to hit the struggling Carolina Panthers uh, 1-5. and Rain, I'll, I'll hang around this game as much as kind of you want to. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, if you want to go on a rampage here, you just kind of want to put this one in the record book, move on and say, hey, look, we were never expecting a win against the Rams. It doesn't matter what it actually looked like by the time we got to the game. But I don't know. What do you think? Well, look, I thought there was a, a slight possibility we would win that game. Uh, and it started out pretty well. You know, the offense looked hot. We seemed to be relying on Christian McCaffrey, which is not something we've seen so far from the Panthers. But then as the game wore on, the game plan didn't change at all. We saw uh, one pass from PJ Walker go beyond the line of scrimmage. And that went one yard beyond the line of scrimmage in terms of completions anyway. Um so a lot of screens, a lot of running the ball with Christian McCaffrey, and it was just frustrating to watch, really, from start to finish. Uh, now, the Rams, they started out wobbly on offense, as per usual, but as the game wore on, they had a lot more time of possession, uh, and that really wore down the Carolina Panthers' defense, who were already heading into the game without a lot of big names uh, on that starting defense, and they lost a couple more as well during the game, so... Yeah, it, this was this was a little bit of an inevitability um, by, as, as the game wore on. Dara, as Ryan mentioned, the Rams didn't start hot. Are we seeing Matt Stafford regress to Lions' Matthew Stafford and was last year a little bit of an apparition maybe? Yeah, it's interesting like how a narrative can be written because if Stafford didn't win that Super Bowl last year, um, let's say he didn't make it to the Super Bowl. Um, with his touchdown to interception rate last year and how he started this year, people would be calling that move a bust because that involved multiple first round picks as well, too, and a, a massive new contract. Um, because people are obviously quick to, to jump on the likes of Russell Wilson to say that his move has been a bust after the poor start he's had. Um, so it, it is interesting. And I think you're getting Matt Stafford, who Matt Stafford is. And I think last season he had, it was just a perfect setup where there wasn't many injuries on that team last year. There is so many injuries, especially on the offensive line. They've lost so much. I mentioned it as well on the show last week that, you know, they need to be calling up OBJ trying to get him on board. They need to be calling Andrew Whitworth trying to see if he'll come out of retirement because their starting left tackle, Joe Nopeboom, has gone down, I think, for the full season. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Cam Akers now is having fights with the team and now they're trying to find a new place for him. So they're going to need a new running back there too. Um, I saw those crazy rumors about Christian McCaffrey getting traded to, to the Rams. And I don't know what picks they think the Rams have, but the Rams have like no first round picks for the next 10 years. So I don't know how they're going to get Christian McCaffrey in the first place. Um, 
but yeah, just things just aren't, don't seem to be going right. I mentioned it as well. A big thing that they've lost this last year is those coaches on the offense, Kevin O'Connell and Wes Phillips, that I think are having a bigger effect than maybe they anticipated. Um, and I think that the new scheme and the new things drawn up by the new offensive corner isn't probably working to how they'd like it. Mm-hmm. And Reen, before we move on, uh, that Christian McCaffrey trade rumors, does that send shivers down your spine or do you think this is a little bit of hot air? You doubt he's going anywhere. And could anyone offer enough riches to the Carolina Panthers that would let them separate themselves with maybe the only silver lining so far this season? I think a couple of teams have the draft capital available to them to offer to the Panthers to a point at which they would accept um, but I think it kind of boils down to the salary at the end of the day. He's on a massive salary. So the likes of, I don't know, the Jets or someone will have the draft capital available to them next year that they can go and get Christian McCaffrey. But do they really want to if they're in a situation where they're not actually challenging for a Super Bowl? Uh, I wouldn't think so. And then the teams that are challenging for a Super Bowl who would want to take on a guy like Christian McCaffrey to kind of put them over uh, the step to the next level. I don't think they have the cap space to take them on mid-season. And I don't think the Carolina Panthers are looking to uh, keep on a, a sizable part of that salary. Uh, so realistically, I don't see him going anywhere this season. Maybe at the start of next season, uh, we'll see that change happening. But I think he's sticking where he is for the time being. I don't... Okay. I, 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 I would... Look at maybe the question and say, not seeing what teams would, but, sh- but should teams try and trade for Christian McCaffrey? Um, I it's not just because of the contract, it's because of the draft, like the draft capital you mentioned that you're going to have to put in. I think they're saying they want multiple first round picks, but should you trade multiple first round picks for a running back who has a record of injuries that has not completed a full season in three years? I think it is. Um, and for a position like a running back where you can still find value in the draft in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, um, how many how many great running backs have we seen come out of draft in the last few years that we've heard, oh, they were fifth round, sixth round, fourth round? Um, I think that I, I, I just think it'd be irresponsible of a team to send that much draft capital and leverage so much of their future on, unfortunately, a running back that they could get in the draft. Mm. Yeah, particularly mm. with with like the trajectory of McCaffrey's career, I think he's kind of at the peak now. He's he's gonna start diminishing in his talents, and that's just because of age, wear and tear, all that sort of thing. Running backs do not last a long time in the NFL. Um, yeah, I I I can't see any team looking at that contract, looking at the draft pack capital, and going, "This is a worthwhile trade to make." Well, we'll leave it there and we'll keep an eye on the Panthers closely over the next few weeks, obviously. Uh, But we're going to go from one analyst team to the next analyst team. Uh, The the Arizona Cardinals put up a stinker nine points against the Seahawks, 19 points. Dara, did you manage to stay awake all the way to the fourth quarter in this one? Oh, of course I did. Field goals galore. Uh, I feel like I didn't get a chance to watch a whole lot of the game, but it looks to me like... Geno Smith had his wings clipped a little bit under 200 yards passing, uh, but he got the win in the end. Walker, I think a big step up from him, 21 carries, almost 100 yards and a touchdown at the end of the game to seal a win. Uh, Give us your thoughts on the game. How are you feeling afterwards? And 
And is my assessment maybe a little bit harsh on your beloved Seahawks? No, uh, I'd agree with you. I think the offense picked the right day to have a stinker um, because this was the week that the defense finally sorted things out and kind of found themselves a little bit. They realized that you're able to rush a a quarterback and you're able to try and and tackle him before he throws a ball, which they did. They sacked uh, Kyler Murray five, six times in that game. Um, including a forced fumble as well um, and an interception by Tyreek Woolen, who should be in consideration for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Four interceptions in four games for him uh, and a fumble recovery in this game. Yeah, like I said, the, 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 the defense had been so poor all season, giving up so many points, making causing the Seattle offense to go into these shootouts, you know, um, Whereas this week, the defense sorted things out and the Arizona Cardinals defense, on the other hand, especially their defensive line headed by J.J. Watt, you know, terrorized Geno Smith and the Seahawks O-line. It was kind of a, as well as the O-line had started this season, it looked like a last season or previous season's O-line where they just couldn't stop anything and they couldn't stop Geno from getting sacked. Um, Hopefully this is just a, a blip. For Gino, maybe that this is not the start of a no, I wouldn't say slide, but like to uh, uh, start to back to the norm of what we thought Gino was going to be because he had started the season so well. Um, but with Ken Walker, a really, really good start to him being the lead back, he needs to kind of jump in at the deep end and get things going now with Rashad Penny out and him being now the lead back because the drop down in running back quality after him is quite big. And the next one is DJ Dallas, and he's uh, more known for being a special teamers rather than being a, a running back. But, you know, great to see the defense sort things out. I wouldn't be concerned too yet about the offense. But if uh, if the next two weeks continue where he the O-line struggles and he and Gino um, can't get the ball moving, then there might be some cause for concern. Rain, moving on to the Cardinals. Uh, Kyler Murray hasn't done a whole lot to dig himself out of this hole that he's got. Uh, they're sitting at two and four. Hasn't played very well. Got off to slugger starts. Now, he did get 100 yards on the ground himself, but the Arizona offense looked pretty anemic in general. All field goals for them, except for, or sorry, only one field goal for them. Uh, and then they also had that fumble recovery in the end zone for That's what gave them their touchdown. So, Nothing pretty much offensively for the Arizona Cardinals all game. Is he getting his coach in trouble? And maybe I'll, I, there was kind of a long entrance, so maybe I'll rephrase my question a little bit. Uh, the Cardinals are struggling. Is Kyler Murray on the hot seat or is Cliff Kingsbury on the hot seat? I think you've got to put both of them on the hot seat. Is Kyler Murray going to lose his job over this? No. Um, but, you know. Anytime a quarterback goes out and has multiple games in the first six weeks where he hasn't scored a single touchdown, that's concerning. That really does. You need to start pointing the finger at the quarterback. But it doesn't help when your head coach does nothing to kind of uh, change up his game plan based on his opponent. And I think we saw that again uh, versus the Seahawks. Um, Yeah, just Kyler Murray doesn't look right. he he got paid his big contract. He doesn't look like he's worth the money at the minute. Um, 
I mean, the only thing that's keeping him kind of relevant is his legs. Like, if you look at his passing numbers, 222 yards, six yards average per attempt. Um, it's just not like elite quarterback play. Uh, now, going back to what uh, Dara said about the offense of the Seahawks, I think you've been a little bit spoiled by the riches of the offense in recent weeks because I don't think Geno Smith had too bad of a game, right? You still had nearly 200 yards passing and then another what was it 48 49 yards on the ground rushing the football uh we would kill for a qbr that um that he had in that game i'll throw it back jacob eason had a qbr of 1.6 pj walker not much better at 5.4 and so sorry i was just gonna say i will counter that by saying that the only issue i have with it at the moment is the Seahawks are relying on a lot of these chunk plays to mm. get the ball moving. And they have been working great so far because in the end zone, they are 31st for efficiency um, there in the league. And once they get into the end zone, they are struggling to actually get the ball in or, or red zone. Sorry, not end zone. When right. they get into the red zone, they are struggling to get the ball into the end zone at two score points, which led to these multiple field goals on Sunday. Okay, yeah, now that, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, but still, you know, it was it was it was a game that was made for the ground, and I think they have covered that by having 150 odd yards running, rushing the football. Um, so yeah, I think the Seahawks offense did enough. Their defense showed up. It's always nice though to play against a team like the Cardinals who can't get the ball moving on offense. Uh, but they did enough. So good win for the Seahawks, in my opinion. Right, we'll leave it there. We'll move on to the next game and the final game of the regular Sunday games. And that was the one game maybe that most people would have had circled coming into the week. The Buffalo Bills against the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Buffalo Bills came out on top 24-20. to 20. Reen, I'm just going to put this to you pretty straightforward. How important of a win is that for the Buffalo Bills given the competitive nature of of this, uh, maybe we could call it a new rivalry between the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. It's huge. It gives them a lot of momentum moving forward in the regular season. Uh, Now, I would counter that by saying this is probably going to light a fire under the Chiefs' asses. Uh, We saw some of the players kind of giving the tomahawk chop on the sideline, Bills players. A little bit of a disrespect. I think that's going to light a fire under them when they do eventually meet uh, in the playoffs this season but I mean going forward yeah huge win for the Bills uh, they've gone from strength to strength and um, they're looking like a good shout for the Super Bowl this season and um, just like everybody else predicted other than me Tara on the road as well a great win both quarterbacks qu- played quite well if you would have listened to the NFL coverage Tony Romo once again looking at his crystal ball calling a 24-20 game I think in the first quarter, I don't know how the man does it, but very importantly for me, at least, and I want to get your opinion on this, they got uh, Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs again on the score sheet for both of them. Important to keep them hot uh, and happy as well. This this Buffalo offense has a lot of riches that need to be shared around, and they're doing a pretty good job of that at the moment. They are. Um, and Gabe Davis just seems to love playing against the Chiefs. Uh, he scored four touchdowns against them in that um playoff game last season another one there now this this past week um 
This happened last season as well. I think it was around week five, week six, too, that the Bills did go into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs in the regular season. And the Chiefs did end up getting their own back on them in the playoffs and beating them. So we'll see when they, we we think, eventually meet each other again if it is a conference uh, conference championship game or if it's another stage in the playoffs. But it is a big thing to, it is a big sort of uh, statement to make to go into the, to the you know home of your rivals which this rivalry is looks fantastic and i i long may continue that this uh go into the home of your rivals beat them you know two out of the last three times um and to do it you know with such a uh a quality defense as well that the bills have amassed this uh for this year too and von miller is showing that he's worth every penny of that contract that he got in the offseason mm. And I suppose as losses go, probably not the worst one for the Kansas City Chiefs. They still sit at four and two. Only that weird loss to the Colts against them in the loss column so far this season. Mahomes did have two interceptions. Probably uh, there'll be a little bit of analysis done on that and, and maybe try and clean that up a little bit. But I think for me, and I want to get you both your guys' opinion really quickly on this, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, a wide receiver that started hot for the Steelers, got a lot of praise as a as a rookie, kind of got a, a little bit then downgraded, a lot of media attention that, that people didn't really like his personality. He is moved. He is a very big, bulky wide receiver with plenty of speed. I think we saw that this game. Surely Chiefs fans are going to be very happy. Obviously, we've said it a million times and everyone will say it all season. It's impossible to substitute anyone for Tyreek Hill, but they did it by committee. And if Juju Smith-Schuster can continue to play like this, I think Chiefs fans will be very happy with that signing uh, and hope that he can do that in the next coming seasons as well. Yeah, the one yeah. the one asterisk there for me is that he was only targeted five times in that game. Uh, but he did go for over 100 yards. So there you go. Look, he's got that big play potential. Uh, he's got speed and bulk to him, which is always a nice combination to have on the outside. Um, so yeah, going forward, I'd like to see his um, his targets go up, uh, and maybe we'll see a bit more of a breakout from Juju Smith-Schuster because you know he, he can be a very good receiver. Yeah, Derek. Sorry, before you go, just just worth noting, Rain, on, on what you mentioned. First game so far, I believe this season that he's gone over a hundred yards. So uh, mm -hmm. a big milestone for him on this new new franchise. Yeah, and his first touchdown as well for for his new team too but look i think we all know that the number one receiver in kansas city is going to be travis kelsey um and for the wide receivers there it's just making sure they're available when travis kelsey isn't and that's what juju is doing and he seems to be happy to be doing that which is great um and he's getting to see his shared targets um you know people were concerned when tyree kill was allowed to leave but um you know, Juju is doing the best to sort of fill that hole at the moment. And, you know, with the rookie Sky Moore, who probably hasn't had the start maybe he would have liked to have had. But, you know, as the season goes on, he'll get more comfortable in that offense, which means he'll be there and he'll probably get more targets. You've got Michael Harmon. You've got Marquez Valdez-Scantling there too. So, you know, there's there's definitely a lot to go there. Um, I think, Rian, you mentioned at the start of the year that, Mahomes said that he's sorry to fantasy owners because he's going to be targeting a lot of different players. He doesn't have a, a favorite wide receiver so much in that, apart obviously from Travis Kelsey being the number one. Yeah, absolutely.
Yeah. We'll leave that Sunday slate of games there and we'll move on to Sunday night football. It was a NFC beast matchup. Uh, the top two are sorry, the yeah, two of the top teams in the NFC of the three. Only the commanders are useless at the moment in the NFC East. So uh, we saw the matchup, sorry, of the Cowboys against the Eagles. And the Eagles, once again, come out on top. They've looked very good this season, Dara. Uh, do you see any stumbling box for them at all? Is this team in danger of going undefeated this season? No, I don't think they're going to go undefeated this year. Um, their schedule, though, is very um, is, is a very nice schedule to have. Uh, I thought that the game last week against the Cardinals, and it happened somewhat, and then this game would, would prove to be difficult ones for them because before that they had not faced teams with a winning record the previous year. They had not faced probably top defences. The Cowboys' defense this year had proven to be a top defense. But in this game, the, the Eagles just um, were able to uh, win this game, even with Jalen Hurts not having the greatest game in the world, uh, throwing the ball only for 155 yards, but still getting two touchdown passes in that um, and only getting 27 yards rushing. It was more down to Miles Sanders and his rushing game that, that did it for um, the Cowboys. But... I think this game, or for the Eagles, I should say, but on the Cowboys side of things, I think this game really showed that um, when Dak comes back, it will be Dak's team. It won't be, I want any of this talk of Cooper Rush can give him a, a competition for the starting place, I think was put to bed in this game on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean- I think Three. I think the quarterback controversy or non-controversy. I think that was always a little bit overhyped. I think they were trying to give Cooper Rush a little bit more uh, national attention, maybe, or or a little stroke his ego a little bit, trying to keep him hot. When teams score no points, it's called a goose egg. Uh, when there's no losses in the loss column, I'm going to call it a golden goose egg. Uh, where do you think the golden goose egg ends for the Philadelphia Eagles? Obviously. Anytime you have a zero in the last column, you're going to be ranked one of the top teams. But do you think they're anywhere close to the Kansas City Chiefs or the Buffalo Bills uh, in that kind of top-ranking territory? Or is it just that they haven't had their losses yet? Well, I mean, yeah, strength of team, I would say probably the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs are both better, but they're on the opposite side of the conference. So mm -hmm. in terms of the NFC, they look like one of the premier teams. Uh, and with how poor the NFC is looking at the moment, it is possible that they go through the win only or go through the season only losing one or two games. Uh, but I mean, the, the, the 17 game slate makes it incredibly difficult to keep that golden goose egg for the entire season. Um, I think the Cowboys possibly could give them a shot at it next time around. Um, Cooper Rush obviously did not have the best game, went for under 50%. Uh, completions and had three pretty poor interceptions in that game um, I think really that was what won the game for the Eagles so I'd like to see round two when it does roll back around well as a commanders fan I would like to not stay on this game too much especially considering how good the two teams are we're going to move straight on to our last and final game in this review that was of course Monday night football and it saw the majestic Russell Wilson on the Denver Broncos lose again for the fourth time this season against the Los Angeles Chargers and Justin 
Herbert. Justin Herbert threw this ball in 57 times in the game, in the overtime win uh, against the Broncos. He wasn't helped much by the Roden game. 14 carries, 36 yards for Austin Eckler, but he did add a touchdown in fairness to him. Uh, the LA Chargers are 4-2, and two, maybe a little bit of a wobble at the start of the season. Do you, do you like how they're looking now coming in uh, off this, the back of this win? Not particularly, to be honest. Um, the the offense is not doing the job I expected it to do. It looked like it was going to be high-powered coming out at the start of the season. You know, you have all these big names in the team. Austin Eckler, uh, Herbert, uh, the likes of even Gerald Everett is an underrated name in that offense. Um, but they just haven't really got it going. And I think maybe that's down to the fact that uh, Herbert had that injury. I don't know if he's still struggling with the ribs. And like, yeah, he passed the ball. What was it? 57 times, did you say? Yeah, he threw it 57 times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but his average was 4.2 yards per play, which is very, very low in today's NFL. And so, yeah, it's been an interesting one to watch. I think they'll be fine as the season rolls on. They'll get some of their injured players back. And and that offense will at some stage hit a purple patch. And when that does happen, uh, they'll be rolling. Dara, uh, man close to your heart at one point, probably not so much anymore, Russell Wilson. I'm going to say, because I'm not his biggest fan, I'm going to call it another stinker. 53% completions, only 6.7 yards, one passing touchdown. Uh, are things going from bad to worse for Russell Wilson? He didn't even say... Broncos country, let's ride at the end of his press conference when he walked off the podium. Oh, yeah. Um, that's when you know he's pissed off. If he's not, <laughs> you, you know he's pissed off. That's when it's danger, Russ, but that's not for the opposition. That's for his own teammates, I'm sure. Um, probably an extra long Bible session they had um, as punishment uh, today. But, yeah, he, start, he actually started the game really well. He went 10 for 10. Um, in his first 10 throws, scoring a touchdown. After that, it, he only he went five for 18. Um, and he was sacked so many. And, and this was a team that were not going to sack him, but he was sacked four times in this game. Um, the Chargers defense had these blitz looks that confused the hell out of the Broncos' um, offensive line and Russ too, because it is up to Russ to sort of have a look and see these signals and see what's going on. Um. Yeah, I think like they're looking for every excuse for Russ to give a reason as to why he's not playing well. Mm. Um, you know, it's the first week. It was oh the atmosphere. It was the emotion of coming back to Seattle. It's you know his star left tackle is down with an injury. It's the head coach as a rookie head coach. It's you know um what was it now yesterday? I can't remember what the excuse was yesterday. Um, that they gave for it or something, but like there was clear throws that his his inability to or maybe not inability, but for him just not wanting to throw the ball in the middle of the field when there's people open. Um, I saw like I think if there's pictures going around online on Twitter, you can see it. There's like three photos by each other in games against the Texans, game against the the game last night against the Chargers, and I can't remember the other game. It was the game against the Colts where there was open men that he could have thrown to, and he just was looking that way and just didn't do it because he was he's he's looking for the for the deep ball. 
Um, although the, the now the excuse is, I know the excuse was last night was, it's because now that he was playing with an injury, he got an injury, a shoulder injury against the Colts. That was his excuse last week. He now has a, in quotes, fairly significant hamstring injury that could mean that he could miss time that he's going for an MRI on now for this week too. Um, Fionn, I tried to fight against it as much as I can. You know, I can't fight against it any longer. And it's not because he left Seattle. It's just, it, I saw the issues last year. It's just, it, it's, it's, I think it's done for Russ. And this, they've put him into a seven-year, $245 million contract. I think, that's, I think that's the most daunting thing. And he can play a little bit better. And like you said, I'm sure the 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 prayers rain and the study sessions in terms of the football side of things and I'm sure he'll start to hit those open men. I'm, I'm sure he's just a little bit out of phase. I I did say, I don't want to toot my own horn too much here, but I did mention everyone said when he went, oh, that's a guaranteed Super Bowl or that's a guaranteed playoff team. And it, it doesn't always translate for quarterbacks to just sit into a new system and play amazingly, especially when he got kind of bumped around a lot in Seattle, especially those last two years before he came out. I'm just looking here, Dara, like you mentioned, it's not like he doesn't have any talent, but I think that's the problem. It's 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 not that the talent is just completely gone. It's just that being out of phase. Like he still had four four of his receivers had had plays like nearly forty yards long. So it's not like he can't hit a big shot or a medium distance shot, and he's down. He's only a checkdown artist or anything, or or that he's that he's trying to hit mega long balls. He can he can still hit them. But when they don't all land, when it's not enough to win the game, I think now, for whatever reason, now that he's moved into this Broncos team, all of a sudden, a lot of media coverage is about how his, his personality isn't cool anymore. It's actually very grating. And he's not this awesome, super football guy. He's this super fake, super fakely hyped, like super over-the-top guy who's very cheesy very nerdy it doesn't make a lot of sense most of the time what he's talking about uh, and i think the overall national narrative is starting to turn that way and i think that's going to be an even bigger struggle than maybe the on-field struggles for russell to overcome that kind of narrative it is and it's a lot of former teammates now that are in promising prominent positions in the media that are giving that license to sort of now that he's left seattle means that they can sort of say how they how they really feel you know Obviously, Richard Sherman's probably the most vocal of it so far. You know, the iconic him going mental after the Thursday night football game. Um, but then also you're looking at the conversation that you had with Marshawn Lynch on his podcast last week, talking about how when he used to want to get in contact with Russ, he never actually had Russ's phone number. You had to call Russ's manager who would get in contact with Russ, which means if you can't get in contact with your teammate, you have to go through a manager. That's just a bad sign. Mm -hmm. A really, really bad side. Um, and I think, yeah, look, it's easy. Look, it's easy to throw mud at someone who's on the ground and, you know, who's who's not having a good time at the moment. And, you know, he knows himself. He's not having a great time of it either. But, you know, I just would be interesting to see if what, ha what we expect to happen happens and they get rid of Nathaniel Hackett and they bring in another head coach, maybe a more experienced head coach. I don't know if they'll, if the they probably will, they probably do an experienced head coach. They won't go for the rookie route again. If it still continues not to work with Russ, what are they going to do? And I find 
I find trying to figure out an answer for that fascinating. Mm-hmm. Well, look, we've been through all the games this weekend. It's been a topsy-turvy season so far. It was a topsy-turvy season or weekend slate of games. And we are in partnership with uh, Locker. Dara, you've got a blur for them. And there's no better time, I think, than to give this to our listeners because uh, with so much going on in the world of NFL, this is the perfect app for our listeners. It is indeed. Like Phil mentioned, we are brought to you in partnership with Locker. Locker is a new sports app that centralizes premium sports content and puts the power in the hands of the fans to personalize their world of sport, including a range of premium NFL sources that can be tailored to your fan experience. Download the app for free in the Irish or UK iOS and Play Store today. We really thank them for uh, partnering up with us this year and um, hopefully we have uh, a few new features going up on the app that we'll be able to tell you about in the near future guys it's been an absolute pleasure to run through these games which uh hopefully we'll get a chance to run through next week's games preview them upcoming i think it's always good to give us our opinion obviously to all our listeners we have to touch on just a few of the bigger stories of these games we don't get to watch them all ourselves live so if there's things that we haven't talked about that you want us to talk about hit us up on any of the social medias you can find us on instagram at under center pod on twitter at under center pod as well start the conversation there on any of those videos we'd love to chat to you you can find us uh, this podcast on YouTube, Under Center Podcast, all of this podcast, previous podcasts, and all future podcasts will be available there. And if you can't watch us uh, live or in person and you just need the audio version, you can find us on any good podcast uh, purveyor, whether that's uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever else you want to get your podcast. Dara, thanks a million for joining me this evening. Thanks, Fiona. I hope you enjoyed uh, the therapy session now that me and Rian have now on a Tuesday. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm going to have to get in on this and and maybe do some of my own venting, especially if the commanders are going to continue to play like this week in and week out. Rian, thank you very much for all your insights and analysis. Uh, Top notch as usual. Thank you very much for having me on. And don't be talking shit about the uh, Washington Commanders when the Panthers are in a much worse position. We're number one in the draft order at the moment. Yeah, yeah, there seems to be a race to the bottom for our two teams this season. Anyway, thank you all for listening and we'll see you again next time.